It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Welcome to a brand new college football podcasting experience here on the Three Technique. We are so delighted to have you guys with us here for episode one. We are going to be recapping the top five coaching hires in our estimations. Before we get to today's podcast, obviously with a brand new crew in tow, want to make sure that everyone is introduced properly. And let's start first with Mr. Garrett Turney. He's going to be the keeper of the takes. on three technique uh garrett you've been known for some spicy opinions back in college uh (laughs) what should the people know about you here at the start oh boy um i think i'm gonna leave that a secret y'all figure it out (laughs) fair enough uh over also joining him and on the ones and twos our producer for this podcast mr trey reeves trey you love getting into the nitty gritty of football the x's and o's the numbers the nerdy things as much as i do um you know, this should be just a blast, don't you think? Oh, we're excited. Um, can't wait to break everything down with you guys. Can't wait to – really can't wait to get the season started, but we'll pass the time as best we can. <laughs> That's right. It is a long, dark, cold off season. In fact, we just passed the halfway point um, from Georgia winning the national championship to I believe it's when Nebraska and Northwestern kick off the 2022 season. In um, Dublin. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you know, maybe not the most exciting matchup on the gridiron, although there will be some intriguing storylines, but we will get to all of that in due time. When we sat down in this uh, podcasting format and tried to decide what we would do to start this show off the right way, really the consensus was, well, let's start with a positive note, right? Let's start with, after one of the most crazy off-seasons in college football history, let's start at the top five coaching hires in each of our estimations. So this will be a roundtable-like episode where you know we're each going to give our respective lists. I think there are going to be some honorable mentions in there as well. Um, but before we get to that really quick, want to mention, obviously, is a new blossoming podcast. We've got social media, and it would be a huge help if you guys would go follow us. Uh, on the socials at 3TechPod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can write us at 3TechPod at gmail.com. Uh, basically, we're looking to feature unique elements of teams, programs, traditions from across the country, right? We, uh, as you'll learn very quickly, are based here in the Lone Star State. 
we're certainly going to have a flavor of that in the podcast where uh, we want to go to some local college football games. We want to give a unique take on what happens here in the Lone Star State, especially with high school football being so popular. But this is a national college football show, and we want your voice to be heard as well. So again, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Write in at 3techpod at gmail.com. Let us know where you're coming in from. Um, who your team is, maybe how you got connected with that team. If you went to the school or if you've just been a lifelong fan, we want to tell those stories as well. So without any further ado, guys, we've got the housekeeping out of the way. And uh, Mr. Garrett, you are batting leadoff here on this top five coaching hires for the offseason. Who are you leading off with us today? All right. So uh, we're going to start at number one. This one seems obvious to me. Um, but maybe not so much to the prevailing dominant narratives. Uh, my best coaching hire uh, for this offseason was Dan Lanning up there uh, heading up to Oregon from Georgia. Um, I mean, look, you come out of a year where you put five guys in the first round. After, I mean, that's that's not too bad. Um, he's bringing a great defensive mindset to a school that can recruit the high-level guys, right? So, you know, you think about some coaches when they make that transition, can they get the players that they can replicate the success from their previous school? To me, Dan Laning seems like a no-brainer. We're in the NIL era. It's time to pay out. This is Nike's primary school, and he can definitely get those guys up there. Um, you know, and obviously the big deal for him is, uh, you know, can he get an offense going up there? I'm not too worried about that in the Pac-12. I think his defensive pedigree coming out of the Kirby and the Saban tree um, you know, having that um, that line of success. I just think success breeds success. Uh, and for me, the reason why he's the best option right now is just through the nature of the Pac-12. Pac-12 is wide open right now, um, especially in the Pac-12 North. Not a whole lot going on up there. So uh, pretty wide open. You can have a lot of success real quickly. Um, USC obviously is good, but they're in the South. Um, we're going to talk about them in a little bit. And I do respect what Utah's doing. They are a mm -hmm. uh, program that I very much like. Uh, but I think Oregon is primed to kind of take the lead in that conference. Uh, and I'm actually doing a little bit of a take uh, and a little bit of a prediction for each of these coaches for their first year. Uh, my big prediction, this one is Oregon will win the Rose Bowl year one under Dan Lanning. I think they're going for, I think they will make it, uh, not putting them in the playoff, but I think that that kind of that first group out of the playoff doesn't quite get to the, to the playoff this year, but I do think he wins the Rose Bowl in a pretty dramatic fashion. So uh, yeah, there's my number one. See, I love it because, uh, I, I spoiler, I don't have him on my top five. And that's what you're going to get with this show is, you know, we are three good buddies from, from college, and yet we are going to have very unique opinions related to each other. So, you know, Garrett, I absolutely love that take, predicting them to the Rose Bowl. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, for me, I think Dan Lanning is, is a home run higher for Oregon because something you mentioned, he comes from a tree with Saban and from Kirby Smart, mm -hmm. where guys are known for developing players, right? Taking that high four-star, five-star talent, actually getting the most out of them, where maybe Mario Cristobal, who was, you know, by all accounts, an elite recruiter, maybe wasn't getting some of that production out of the guys, right? I mean, overall, over the course of his career, I think – Oregon fans would tell you that he underachieved a little bit, especially mm -hmm. in big games, uh, I think at, uh, no, away from Eugene, I'm sorry. And so, you know, you look at this last season, losing to Utah in the way that you did twice, not even just once, but twice in the mm -hmm. Pac-12 championship. 
Lanning's coming in, and he's got to, I think, amend the culture just a little bit to squeeze every drop of, of talent out of those out of those players. Uh, Trey, what do you think? I love the Lanning hire. I think, you know, he didn't make my top five either, um, and I think it's a really safe hire, and that can sound really bad, but I think Oregon's going to get a guy that is going to lead a program well, and he's going to – go up to the Northwest and have a lot of success. I'm always a little worried when it's a major P5 school um, hiring a coordinator that has never, um, you know, led a program um, on their own before. But, um, you know, if you're going to hire one, definitely hire one from that coaching tree. I think it's a safe hire. I think it's a really good hire. Um, We might look back in three years and he is easily the number one on this list. He didn't make my top five, but I think it's not outlandish to put him up there. Garrett, what kind of production do you think that Oregon has to get out of the quarterback spot uh, for them to not only go throughout the Pac-12 season in a manner where they win the Pac-12 championship, I'm assuming is what you're predicting if they're getting to the Rose Bowl, but then also to win the Rose Bowl. Like, is Bo Nix your guy? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, Obviously, we've seen what he can do. It, it's in spurts, though. You know, that's my big thing about Bo Nix is he's inconsistent. You know, <laughs> yes, he, he, he shows Ooh. up at LSU and looks like Johnny Manziel or, you know, like some other great that's just running around there making crazy throws. Um, and then, you know, he shows up at, you know, take A&M, for example, and they can't put a touchdown on the board. And so, you know, I think that it really just depends on what you're able to get out of him. But I think he's in a much better situation. I mean, the defenses in the Pac-12 do not play at the same level as they do in the SEC. Um, and I think that you're going to get a lot better defensive production out of Oregon. So you almost don't even have to have him as an elite type guy. You just have to have a guy that like him, he has experience. He's been there. He's done that. Um, and, and he's going to be able to make some plays, make some good throws, but make some smart decisions that don't blow the game for you. You know, he, he can't go into, you know, Oregon state or, or, or go to Washington and then make dramatic errors that, completely put your defense behind the ball, put you down 14 points early. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he has to be able to, you know, not drive the bus, but he has to do a little bit more than driving the bus. Uh, but, you know, I think he'll be able to do that. No issue with the amount of experience he has. And and I'm really excited to see where Oregon goes from this. Yeah, landing obviously a defensive coaching mind was the genius behind Georgia's defense, Garrett, that you mentioned, sent five NFL draft picks in the first round. Um, which was a, uh, a draft record, a modern draft record. It, it'll be interesting to see if he can develop a quarterback, right? That was Cristobal's uh, big red flag was, hey, during his time up in Eugene, he, he never really uh, developed that. The Anthony Brown experience was a roller coaster that I think most Duck fans would like to forget. Um, so, you know, for me, that's the big question. And if he can, I think you're, you're probably going to be spot on. There's so much talent up there. Uh, wearing all the different colors that Nike has them wear. If they can find a signal caller, I think Oregon can, you know, maybe even comfortably stay dominant there in the Pac-12. Uh, Trey, I know you've built out your list as well. Let's hear your number one guy. Well, my number one is the guy that left Oregon and made that opening for Dan Lanning. Uh, it's Mario Cristobal. Um, and I know that that's uh, – Maybe a little um, out there just for um, all the other hires that are out there, but this is a Miami guy. Um, I can remember all the way back when he had his first head coaching job. It was at FIU, and this is a really niche reference, but they came in uh, to Kyle Field 
in 2009 and almost knocked off um, a Mike Sherman, Gerard Johnson led uh, Texas A&M team. I was a very young man at that point, but um, <laughs> Mario Cristobal is he, everywhere he's gone. He's seen at least some level of success. Like, you know, he is um, indirectly part of that saving tree as well. And like I said, he's a Miami guy. I am really, really excited to see what he can do in that recruiting hotbed of uh, Miami and just Florida in general. Um, probably a little bit more difficult start to his um just pulling up Oregon's schedule and Miami's schedule, it's definitely a tougher slate for the Hurricanes this year. Like Garrett said, um, there's no reason Oregon shouldn't win 10 games year one under Lanning, just looking at their schedule. Um, Miami has an out-of-conference trip to AM. and um, They have their typical ACC slate that hasn't been easy. Um, but I'm really, really excited to see what Cristobal can do just with uh, the resources at Miami and with that recruiting hotbed in that uh, general area. Well, the first thing he's got to do is keep the the in-state talent home, right? And, yeah, and that's absolutely. something that's something that at least right now we're starting to see him get to get to do. I think he's had four or five commits in the last calendar month. Um, all of them from the state of Florida. That's been a big complaint that I know the Miami fan base and, and recruiting base, the booster base, has had is. Hey, you look at these SEC powers, they're coming in, they're stealing all these South Florida kids that that they think rightfully should be staying at the U. And that list is a mile long over the last couple of years. But, you know, Trey, like you mentioned, he's a Miami native. Uh, he's a Miami grad. He brings, you know, much needed stability, I think, to that program. Um, he's certainly a clear upgrade over Manny Diaz in every area except maybe the facial hair department. Um, <laughs> but that that elite recruiting is is going to be the advantage, right? Like I mentioned with Oregon, his question mark was he never really developed a quarterback there. I don't know that he needs to develop a quarterback early on uh, with Tyler Van Dyke, right? Uh, Tyler yeah. Van Dyme, as they call him there. He's a, a, a blossoming star, might might be the best quarterback right now in the ACC. I think Devin Leary at NC State has something to say about that. But uh, a lot of talent there in Miami. Again, it's all about getting the most potential out of those guys. And, you know, you, you talk to Miami fans, it's it's the basics, right? It's playing physical football. It's tackling on defense. It's making Absolutely. your blocks on offense. You know, Cristobal, uh, he did do some of that at, at Oregon and obviously had a, a great track record up in Eugene. Uh, Garrett, what do you think about the selection there? Uh, well, uh, Cristobal does not make my top five. Spoiler alert. Uh, yep. He might He might make a different top five at some point. Don't want to you know, hmm. get too much into that. Um, <laughs> I don't love the hire. Um, and I'll kind of give you a couple of reasons why. Um, I mean, number one, what you were just kind of saying, there was a little bit of a whirlwind at Oregon um, with the lag of developing a quarterback. And I mean, obviously this guy can recruit. Um, I'm curious to see how he's able to recruit against so many Florida schools. Obviously he's getting a little bit of that first year coach bump that we see a lot of times when you get a coach coming in with a lot of hype and a lot of, uh, you know, good things going on there. But, um, you know, he's going to have to go up against Napier at Florida. He's going to have to go up against Florida State, which is still an in-state name. Um, and then the other thing he's going to have to go up against is with UCF making a jump to the Big 12, a lot of people are going to look at that as an opportunity to make a playoff. Um, and so you're going to have to maybe think about four Power 5 schools in your state trying to split the guys. And then you start to say, well, are you going to nab guys out of Georgia? That's been really hard to do. Are you going to nab guys out the SEC somewhere? Um, and I just, I don't know that he can do it. Um, and then in addition to that, 
I just think his path is kind of difficult. And if there's one thing I don't believe about Miami, and this is going to be one of the things that comes up with a lot of my other selections, but if there's one thing I don't think about Miami is that I don't think their fan base will be very patient with him. I think if he comes out and let's say drops that one to AM and then, you know, maybe drops a few in the ACC, maybe drops the rivalry game to Florida State. You know, I don't want to say it, but, you know, maybe he would. But, you know, he comes out and does that. Going to be a lot less of a positive feeling going into year two. Uh, and then I think that that starts to to heat up the seat a little bit. Not that he'd be on the hot seat in year two, but just that you'd want to see a lot more production a lot faster if you're the Miami fan. So I don't think it's a terrible hire, uh, just not a big fan personally. Yeah, and their fans have been – restless since that maybe greatest team of all time in 2003 they are (laughs) definitely one of the fan bases that thinks that their team should be at the top of the college football world every single year and they have a little bit of different history than some of those other blue bloods that you talk about but no you're absolutely right they are gonna have to give him time one thing that does encourage me about his recruiting is you know being from Oregon or recruiting to Oregon yes you have the Nike yes you have that kind of mystique of Oregon that kind of does recruit itself to some extent, but you do have to recruit nationally at at Oregon. And I don't think you're going to see a lot of schools, especially in the NIL era, um, just focus on one recruiting era or area and win that way. Um, So yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of competition in state pulling up their recruits so far for 2023. Not a lot of highly rated guys. They do have a few high three stars and a four star. Mm-hmm. Four out of the five are from Miami, the greater Miami area. But I think he's a guy that can get that talent locally, get them to stay, but also has connections nationally because he's had to in the past. So I'm excited to right. see what he can do. We know that fan base will um, pony up some money. They definitely did before. Oh, they'll dish it out. <laughs> they definitely did it before it was legal. I think they're really excited to do it now that it is uh, legal with uh, the NIL speculation. Legal. Speculation. So, not no, no, sir. It was. No, <laughs> we yeah, have they, the they, they definitely. No, we're, we're, we're from the Al Golden era. Trouble, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what he can do down in South Beach. Yeah, right. I, I agree. Uh, and uh, Trey, you. you Uh, took the next point that I was going to make kind of just describing that recruiting class, Robbie Washington, four-star athlete is the best of the five that they've got so far. And again, a big win getting some local kids already committed to the program. I think the stars will come, um, but at least establishing an early foothold in the greater Miami area, I think is a big win for them. Uh, My number one coach, and I'm honestly surprised that he didn't get mentioned. He's uh, a number one coach on a lot of people's, Uh, grades, right? Lincoln Riley going from Oklahoma to USC. This was a a total roller coaster, right? Throughout the entire process, is Riley staying in Norman? Is he going? And, you know, the biggest speculation was that he was going to LSU. In fact, there was a large catering service in Baton Rouge that confirmed, yeah, we were catering a party on campus uh, the night after Bedlam thinking Lincoln Riley was coming to LSU. The LSU administration thought he was coming. I think Scott Woodward thought he was coming. And instead, he tells reporters, no, I I promise I'm not going to LSU. Didn't say he wasn't leaving, but he did say, I promise I'm not going to LSU. And so in that way, he did keep his word. Uh, He goes to Southern California um, to a host of you know, uh, benefits basically that USC has given him all kinds of properties, a large, large contract. 
And, uh, you know, Riley, I think is, is, I think he was the hottest name of the off season, right? 55 and 10 in his college football career with three trips to the playoff. He did go and three, but still got OU there three times. Uh, he was able to convince some of the top talent in the country to transfer there to USC, notably quarterback, Caleb Williams, wide receiver, Mario Williams, also coming over from Oklahoma, uh, running back, Travis Dye comes down from Oregon. And then he also has one of the top 2023 recruiting classes right now, highlighted by five-star quarterback Malachi Nelson, who also decommitted from Oklahoma to stay home in the Southern California area. So, you know, I don't think Lincoln needs this big introduction, right? I mean, he's a high-powered offense type of guy, comes from the Mike Leach coaching tree. He knows how to recruit. He's persuasive on the field, and he knows how to score points in the Big 12. My question with him is, you know, that USC offense a season ago, without any true quarterback, had the 66th ranked offense in the country. It had the 103rd ranked defense in the country. So my question is, you know, what does Lincoln bring as far as stability to both sides of the football? Much like I was saying up in, uh, up in, or I'm sorry, down in Miami with uh, Mario, a lot of the fundamentals just have to be put in place. USC was one of the worst tackling teams in the entire country last year. You know, can Lincoln get some of some of the better guys to step up uh, before these recruiting classes truly arrive? Maybe we'll see. You know, you've got a lot of people that are picking USC to at least make a run at the playoff. That's not not what I'm going to predict at all. But I do like what he's shown that he can develop at a program, a big blue blood program like Norman. Uh, in Oak or uh, like Oklahoma in Norman, I think he's probably going to do the same thing at USC. And because he's, you know, he's coached dry fit, right? I mean, he's got a little bit of swagger with him. He's got a little bit of that, uh, that inherent cool factor. I, I thought that was a home run hire for USC. Well, and he's going to crush it on the recruiting trail. Obviously there's no issue selling Southern California. Um, you don't have to say, Hey, would you like to come play somewhere where it's, you know, 72 degrees and sunny all the time? Um, he would have done just as well recruiting to UCLA, if you ask me. I mean, he'd, you're in a great city where you can just sit there and, and almost just sell the city. Um, he, he does make my list, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock him in a little bit for why he's not number one on my list. Well, so we've gotten through our top number ones, and now you're gonna start seeing some repeats eventually. Trey, let's start with you. Who is your number two coach on this list? All right, here's where it gets fun. Here's where I love where my list goes. My number two is. Mr. Joey McGuire at Texas Tech. He makes the move from conference foe Baylor as the associate head coach at Baylor. Um, And, man, people are so excited in Lubbock right now. I think there were a lot of people um, when, you know, they let Matt Wells go pretty early on. I can't remember if it was after middle of year two or middle of year three. I think it was – Year. I think it was middle of year three. It was year th- middle of year three, but they don't let Matt Wells, who they were really excited about coming over uh, a few years ago, get through even the third year. Um, and, you know, when they announced Joey McGuire, I think a lot of people were like, okay, he has a lot of Texas connections. He has He's going to make a lot of good uh, connections on the recruiting trail in Texas high schools. If you know anything about the Texas high school fraternity, they are very stuck up. Um, and really like to be only allowing people that they like in. So, number one, that's a huge thing if you're going to try to recruit Texas. But, man, just the energy that he's injected into that fan base, you've seen it pay dividends just in their passion. Um, 
man, he's been around winners in uh, Dave Aranda and uh, Matt Rule, and he is changing the culture in Lubbock. They've been searching for something to get excited about since they let the Pirate go, and <laughs> I think they finally have it. Um, you just look at their recruiting class this year, and it is a little bit of quant- uh, quantity over quality right now, but Texas Tech has the number two ranked recruiting class in the 2023. Let me say that again. Texas Tech. Wreck you know, em, baby. Wreck em. Like, I And, you know, talking to the Tech fans that I know, they are super excited about this. I'm, I'm just pulling through some names right now. There's five four-stars already committed in this class, and they're building momentum to add so many more. I think Joey McGuire, especially coming into, in the next few years, uh, Texas and Oklahoma, um, leaving the conference, that – race is going to be wide open every single year and why not tech i mean they've, they've shown if they have the right coach that can get the right system they can be dangerous and they can be nationally relevant so i'm excited to see what he can do i you know maybe number two is just a little too high and getting a little too uh on the mcguire hype train but i'm excited i i just wanted to give him a shout out up here you know trey i'm, I'm actually hearing now that upon learning of their number two class uh they've actually set a car on fire in lubbock yeah they they so, love to celebrate in that forward. way and they love it they've got no, 20 I, commits in that class already 20 I yeah absolutely love his fit in lubbock i think there's some coaches that just fit in their system you know they just fit in their city they fit at their college i'm thinking you know saban jimbo gundy at oklahoma state i like winning him at utah uh, i just think yeah mcguire is perfect for tech and that's why I have him number two is because he is tech through and through. He has fully embraced that culture. Mm-hmm. Lubbock's an interesting place if you've never been there. It's, you know, it's not really close to anything. And they, if, if you go to tech or if you're from Lubbock, you love Lubbock. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's not a knock on anybody, but it's, it's just the fact of that city. And he has fully embraced that. And I am really excited to see what he can do for the Red Raiders. I completely agree. It can be tough to recruit out there, um, certainly to get kids to buy in if they're not about the West Texas lifestyle. Um, but Joey has done it. He had great yep. success at Cedar uh, Cedar Hill in uh, in the high school ranks, and then you mentioned you know making a name for himself at Baylor as well. I think it's a great hire. He was my first honorable mention that we'll get to at the end of this. Uh, Marcus Freeman, the Notre Dame uh, defensive coordinator, now promoted to the head coach, is my second. And again, I think. This was maybe the best overall fit. I think Lincoln Riley is the best splash out of the class, in my estimation. Freeman, I think, is the best fit. He was given a hero's welcome as soon as he was announced as the head coach once Brian Kelly left for uh, for LSU to put on a fake Southern accent. Um, (laughs) Freeman is a big players guy, and that's not what Brian Kelly was, right? You you talk to fans of Notre Dame, even some players, and – they respected him as a head football coach because, hey, he's a winner. He's done it his entire career no matter where he's been. But he wasn't as tight, I don't think, with the players as a guy like Marcus Freeman is. And, you know, Trey, you mentioned Tech already having the number two class in the country. Notre Dame has the number one recruiting class right now for 2023. So not only was Freeman able to retain some guys in here for year one at the program as the head football coach, but he's also able to get a lot of kids early to commit. He's already got five-star edge Keon Keeley, who's the highlight of the class right now. 
uh, safety Peyton Bowen from Denton Geyer, local to where we are. Some of those guys that are, uh, you know, big splashes in the recruiting trail. And, you know, Notre Dame, to be honest, it can be hard to recruit there as well, right? I mean, they usually get a lot of very, very solid players, but they're not normally a top five recruiting class in the country. And again, very, very early on, we'll see if they actually stick there. But to be at number one, I think it's very, very impressive. The offense, uh, you know, I think Freeman hopes to be able to replicate what they were able to do a season ago where they had the 20th best offense, uh, according to football reference. They do have to replace some some meaningful guys. You know, Jack Cohn leaves I don't know if you were a big Jack Cohn fan or not, but I think they could can upgrade at quarterback. Uh, for me, the Is biggest. Are there any Jack Cohn, big Jack Cohn fan? I'm other than Mister and Mrs. Cohn, but yeah, no, no disrespect. Does he have a girlfriend or something? Or? No disrespect to the Cohn family. Uh, I, I think they can upgrade at quarterback. Kyron Williams replacing him is going to be tough, but I know they have a talented backfield uh, there in, in South Bend as well. So, 15th ranked defense. I mean, that was very, very impressive a season ago for Freeman as the DC, can they replicate that be another top 10 team? Obviously it ended uh, a little bit in a, in a bittersweet fashion by losing to Oklahoma state in the, uh, in the Fiesta bowl. But I think Notre Dame's in a very, very good place. And he's why he landed at number two on my list. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'll talk about Marcus Freeman here in just a little bit, but you're spot on. And I, I think he's going to bring a lot more, excitement back to the program and they they've been a steady successful program for yep. the last decade yep. or so but um they just haven't been able to get over that hump i'm excited to see um i think you see in their recruiting class i think marcus freeman a lot of those guys were kelly committed under kelly but he's holding it together like you said and i think that he has the ability he's an elite recruiter and i think he's going to be able to get a lot of talent into south bend yeah, Garrett, uh, round us out with number two, and then we'll uh, we'll keep moving through the list. All right. Well, my uh, my second best is going to be Brent Venables. Um, I thought that that hire was pretty great. Um, I, I've kind of made his case already in the number one with Dan Lanning. I think he's very similar in terms of what he brings over. He's got championship pedigree coming over, one with Clemson, um, and then just that winning culture, bringing over a great defense to a conference that doesn't play traditionally great defense. Um, and being able to have that edge on the field, I think, is going to really help them out. Again, with the funding for the fan base and the NIL and everything else, I think Oklahoma is going to do just fine with him. Um, and again, the Big 12 for the next couple of years, at least, while they're still in the Big 12, is wide open. Uh, and I think that'll let him kind of maintain some success at Oklahoma. Um, I, I think especially with the bad will that uh, Lincoln Riley left in Oklahoma, I think they're going to be very generous to him as far as what they'll let him have. Um, I love the edge that he's bringing. I mean, we've all seen it, but I love the edge that he's bringing. Um, intensity is one of the biggest things for me in college football. Really hard to get your team going um, on a week-to-week thing, getting your team up to play, especially for some of those maybe sneaky down teams in the trap games. Um, you know, I think Which that's one of the things they've fallen victim to, to in the past. They have, they have. I mean, Kansas, Kansas State. State gives Oklahoma fans nightmares at this yeah. point. I think you know, back to back. Thought years. of a road game to Kansas State. I mean, you know, just being able to get over that hump, I think, would put a lot of Oklahoma fans to rest. But um, my big thing again with the hot takes, I think Oklahoma's back in the conference championship game despite the personnel losses from their roster this year. Uh, yeah, I, I could very easily see that happening for sure, right? If Venables can improve that defense, 
Um, you know, Oklahoma recruits playmakers. So I think the offense should be fine. Um, what does Dylan Gabriel bring to them at quarterback? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, but especially in the Big 12 where Oklahoma State lost quite a bit, Texas is a big unknown. What does Tech have to prove? You know, is, is Baylor kind of the, the big the big giant in the conference right now? Like, I got to feel like Iowa State's falling off a little bit too. So there's there's a lot of unknowns there. I, I don't think it's a, a stretch at all to say that Oklahoma will be back in that conference title game. I'm really interested to see how Oklahoma does with a defensive-minded coach. I think that's something that we haven't seen in the modern yeah. era since they've started dominating that conference. So that that's my red flag for me. Um, he he made my list as an honorable mention, but Same. you know he, he's certainly if you're going to hire a coordinator, hire one of the consistently best ones for going on a decade now. So yeah. no and he's had an opportunity to move for a long time. He just basically got the chance to pick his spot. Exactly, he picked the Sooners, and I think that's a good decision on his part. Well, he's an Oklahoma guy, right? He gets to yeah. come back home. Uh, so yeah, always always really really nice to to get to do that. Uh, down the list at number three, Mario Cristobal comes in at number three for me. We've talked a lot about him already. The last thing that I'll add on him is, you know, with that mean streak, Trey, that you mentioned that Miami needs to regain under Cristobal, um, they've got to play better defense. Like I said, they ranked 85th in the country in defense last year behind arguably the real Miami University, Miami of Ohio, who actually had a defense ranked in the 50s. Hey, put some so, respect on them. Come on, man. Why do they not play every year? That's a great question. That, that should be a standard out-of-conference <laughs> game every year. They could, imagine yeah. the trophy possibilities. Battle of the Miamis. i one on Twitter real quick. Yes. Battle, Battle of the Miamis. So, yeah, if Cristobal can improve the defense, I think Tyler Van Dyke is, is poised to take Miami's offense to the next level. And, you know, Miami still doesn't have an ACC championship. They've never won it uh, as a part of the ACC. I, I don't think this is the year that they get it, but I think they could take a very nice step uh, towards that. So uh, Cristobal uh, coming in at number three for me. At my number three, I've got Lincoln, uh, another guy we've talked a lot about already. I, I'm excited to see what he can do on the West Coast. I think, you know, Pac-12 football ain't what it used to be. And they're just dying for someone to take over. And like it or not, USC is one of the media darlings as well. Um, they were somehow knocking on the door of the playoff in the 2020 COVID year um, after a six-game conference schedule that they went through. So Lincoln has a lot of potential. I'm excited to see what he brings to the table out west. Yeah, Garrett, apparently think, uh, Trey took a look at my list. I have Lincoln at three, too. I was going to say, I think we agree here. Yeah, no, I think Lincoln <laughs> at number three makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I, I think he's a good coach. Obviously, lots of pedigree, offensive success. Um, he's going to be able to recruit. Here's my big issues with Lincoln right now. Number one, you got to go through Utah. I think they got a great program out there in Utah, and I think that it's going to be tough for them to get over that hump, uh, especially with the consistency that they're bringing. And really the big knock for me is he kind of gives me Cliff Kingsbury vibes. I, I don't know that he's sticking around forever. Um, obviously, he stuck around for a little bit longer than a cup of coffee. But, um, you know, I just I kind of have a feeling that when the right NFL team comes calling, he's going to ditch. Um, and, and, you know, there might be some USC fans saying, no, he why would he leave USC? You know, why, why would he leave such a great opportunity for him? Well, that's kind of what the people in Norman were saying until they got blindsided, too. So. 
Um, you know, I, I could see him leaving. If he sticks around for a long time, this is going to be one of the better hires that the Trojans have made. Uh, if not, then, you know, here comes uh, another Cliff Kingsbury, you know, Pete Carroll could take off. And of course, Pete Carroll winning there and having a lot of success. But, um, you know, I just don't know who Lincoln Riley is right now. Don't know that I trust him. Uh, the hot take for them, not very hot, but I think they win 10 this year. Um, and I think that they do really well in that year one. Has a lot to do with the state of the Pac-12 right now, but you know, I just think he's going to do pretty well and bring that team up uh, a bunch in this first year, make a lot of noise. Do they lose to? Or do you have their losses as Oregon and, and Utah then? Oh yeah, I don't. I don't think they get over Utah, and I, yeah, I think I don't know. Do they? They, they do not Oregon play in Oregon in the regular oh, right. season. In the regular Looking season. at their schedule, I mean, the only probable loss is. Notre Dame at the end of the year. Um, but they have them at home the last week of the year. And That'll yeah, that trip to Utah in mid October. I, I think the, the, I think Utah's the loss. I think Notre Dame is the loss and I don't, I don't think they lose anymore. I love Utah. We no disrespect. They should not be a hurdle to USC and they are right now. And they have been for the last decade. Oh, they're going to be. They shouldn't be though. Like Kyle Whittingham, I tell you what, he knows how to recruit. Uh, he's he's taken a lot of talent out of the state of Texas. Um, Utah is a scary place to play. Come come the chilly temps of October. Playing at altitude. Yes. Uh, I, I will beat the Utah drum on this podcast. I as love long Utah. As I, can. I, I I love the Utes. No disrespect. Love the culture. Love the attitude. I think that they're great. And look, should they be just from a national perspective? Well, no, but you know. If you're looking at it from a historical perspective in college football, what the heck is Clemson? Right, for sure. But I mean, right, I'm just, just saying. I'm just saying. If USC has their stuff together and they're doing what they yeah. would like in, in to five do years, it. maybe not. I'm just saying yeah. in terms of right now, they're not. Right now, Utah right now, born. yeah. No, at right now, they're not beating Utah. And my big question again is with the longevity, right? I think that the previous two guys on my list are sticking around to their spot for a while. I think Dan Lanning is at yeah. Oregon for a while. I think Brent Venables is at Oklahoma for a while. How long does Lincoln stay? I mean, we're talking about hires here. It's a good hire if he sticks around, you know, long enough to be better than Utah. It's a good point. It's a good point. All right, let's quickly make our way through the rest of the list. Garrett, go ahead and lead us off with uh, with number four, and, and we'll try and knock these last two out pretty quickly here. Oh, for sure. Yeah, number four for me, Billy Napier. Um, coming on over uh, to Florida. Look, it's never easy jumping into the SEC, but if you're going to do it, might as well jump into a traditional power in a recruiting hotbed in the SEC East. You know, obviously got to get through Georgia, but I will take having to figure out one really tough win a year as opposed to trying to figure out how to get through Bama, LSU, A&M, teams like that where, you know, it's not a guarantee if you're jumping into that division. Uh, If you got to be in the SEC, uh, send me to the East, right? Loads of success in the Sun Belt, brings over a, a good winning culture. Again, you want a winning culture. You want some amount of success that you're bringing over with you. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that he'll have plenty of time. Again, kind of the common theme for me is that guy left a bad taste in your mouth previously. Um, again, not a lot of love for the guy that's heading on his way out the door at Florida. And so I think if you can get him back, you get some playmakers. Um, I, I think that he's going to do pretty well. Uh, my hot take for Florida is they're going to stay in state for their bowl game this year. So are they? You, you think they're going to be playing at the Gator Bowl? Uh, yeah, I can see Gator, I can see Outback, something like Outback. that. Just an upper uh, level Florida Bowl. 
Yeah, I can see them onion. somewhere there. Yeah. Rip the I guess Rip is, the is, it, is it not the Outback Bowl anymore? What did it it got renamed? Did they change right? the, these bowl games it's, change names it's all the time? It's no longer the Outback Bowl and it's a travesty. Uh, that's it's not travesty. the Outback Bowl. Hey, no. it's the Outback Bowl in my heart for sure. So we're we're going to live with the Outback Bowl now. But I I don't think speaking of Dan Mullen who just left Florida, I don't think he has a job yet unless my quick Google search has well, I think the primary difference here is that but... Billy Napier sees value in recruiting. Agreed. Agreed, yeah. I mean, it really hurts. If he's willing to do any recruiting in the state of Florida, he's an upgrade on the last guy because, you know, the last guy doesn't think recruiting is a very good thing to do. Yeah, it hurts when you're talking about, hey, yeah, we're recruiting the offseason at postgame losses. That's not, not a great way to say your Not a good look. Yeah. Uh, Trey, who's your number four? Uh, my number four is Marcus Freeman. Um, we've talked about him already. I love the future of Notre Dame. I think he's going to bring that program into the modern era. Um, Mm -hmm. You look at Notre Dame, you look at when they, what they've done on the big stage, it hasn't been pretty when they've gone to a major bowl game or a playoff game. Um, And they've got to start getting more athletes at the skill position and a quarterback to compete with the teams from the South, whether that be Clemson or a team from the SEC or um, even a Lincoln Riley led USC, maybe. Um, yeah. but they've got to get more talent at the skill positions. And I think Freeman's going to be able to do that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'll double up here. I'll go four and five. Jay Norvell, uh, going from Nevada to Colorado state. Ooh, good pick. I like that. He's my fourth, uh, coach on this list. Look, I loved what Norvell did at Nevada, right? Carson strong, who evidently has a degenerative knee condition that may keep him from playing meaningful snaps in the NFL, which is, you know, a real disappointment, but Carson strong put together a great offensive showing for the Wolfpack. Uh, and, and Jay Norvell was the architect behind that, right? At a program that traditionally does not spend a lot of money in football, does not necessarily value winning in football, even in a conference like the mountain West. Um, and Norvell did a lot with limited resources he had an explosive offense that was a blast to watch, and he's clearly upgrading to a better situation at Fort Collins, right, where uh, after winning at least seven games in four of his five seasons in Reno, he's now going to a program at Colorado State that has a bigger budget, that naturally has more talent, and it has a bigger focus on on football as a whole. They just had Trey McBride get drafted in the NFL, uh, one of the best tight ends in the country. In fact, he was the first tight end off the board this year. Um, so Colorado state, while they're not a flashy team, they still produce NFL talent, right? We're here in the lone star state, Michael Gallup with the Dallas Cowboys with a third round selection a couple of seasons ago, uh, the Rams put together players and teams that I think can be very, very competitive given the right coaching situation and Jay Norvell going where he's going to have financial backing. He's going to have a little bit better platform to go recruit. I absolutely love that. Uh, he's got to get an offense that ranked 97th in the country to improve and a defense that was 82nd in the country to improve. But give Norvell some time. Uh, he's he's proven that he can win in small places. I love the fit there in Fort Collins. I love the pick too. Yeah, I'm, he's great candidate. Definitely deserves a shout out. Yeah. Uh, my number five pick, Billy Napier, I, I had to slot him in as well, Garrett, for a lot of the reasons that you talked about. Great story for the Raging Cajuns. Uh, he went 40-12 and 12 in Lafayette, and maybe the biggest win of it all, instead of having everyone call Louisiana Lafayette, Louisiana Lafayette, or ULL, he got them to just start calling the University the U- University of Louisiana, which in and of itself is a major win. Branding. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, huge branding play, right? He is going from a, mm-hmm. uh, a Sun Belt conference that is known for entertaining football, maybe, right? The Fun Belt uh, to the SEC East. I will say, though, I think you're sleeping on Tennessee, Kentucky, and maybe even South Carolina. We'll see what Shane Beamer does there. But I think the East is building up in competition. Certainly nothing I mean, uh, nothing over the SEC West. But Kentucky and Tennessee are, are going to be very, very challenging games, I think, for the Gators. You're definitely not wrong. I mean, they're a great team. The SEC is the SEC, right? I mean, it may be slightly overrated on the national scale, but this is still the best conference in football. Uh, I'm just I'm looking at it in terms of okay, would you rather play you know top to bottom? Okay, Georgia, Bama, that's a toss up, right? Those are two elite programs. Well, then you go down the list. You're thinking about teams like Anum, Ole Miss, LSU. You know they're bringing a lot in. Um, would I rather play those teams or would I rather play Tennessee, Kentucky, and maybe South Carolina? You know I think those are really good teams. I think they're gonna have a lot of success. I'd just probably rather play them than the other ones. Fair enough. Uh, Trey, uh, who do you have here at, uh, at number five? My number five, I had to give a shout out to um, quickly becoming uh, one of the favorite teams on the pod, um, but I'm going to go a little bit in reverse. So uh, Sonny Dykes, uh, he resurrected SMU. SMU has been doing pretty well, but um, he's going from SMU to TCU. Forward and- Texas, baby. Yeah, and, you know, TCU had been passed up by the ponies um, in the Texas football hierarchy, I think, in the minds of a lot of recruits and the minds of a lot of uh, fans. And TCU just is going to fix that uh, by taking the coach that made that possible for SMU. (laughs) Um, So, you know, you look at what he did just, you know, less than an hour away at uh, SMU. He started getting major recruits both – through high school and through the transfer portal, uh, to come to uh, to come to be Mustangs, and there's no reason that he can't do that. Also in Fort Worth, still not Dallas, but a great city. A lot of people would say they like Fort Worth better, um, and that would, be that would be Garrett. But um, you know, I think the the big thing about Sonny is he is, of course, following in the footsteps of a coaching legend in Gary Patterson. That's never easy to do. There's, of course, going to be comparisons in the fan base from day one. But, you know, it's hard to go wrong when you've seen the formula work in your backyard, right? And TCU, they're going to have to deal with uh, with SMU. You know, they already play each other every year. but Battle of with, the Iron Skillet, right? Yeah, Battle of the Iron Skillet, greatest trophy in college football. But with... Um, <laughs> SMU with SMU moving into they're moving into the Big Twelve, correct? And uh, no, I, no, not SMU. No, not, no, U of H. I'm sorry, it's U of H. But they, they'll still be playing each. This point still stands. They'll still be yeah. playing each other every single yeah, yeah. year in that rivalry right. game. And if TCU is going to want to, they're basically selling the same product. Smaller private school in the Metroplex. You have to. You're going to be competing with SMU on a lot of. Uh, for a lot of kids. And I think SMU, um, I'll just throw in an honorable mention real quick. And Rhett Lashley, I thought that was a great hire for them. They're still yeah. doing a lot of great things um, on this side of the Metroplex. But, mm-hmm. you know, you can't go wrong. You've seen the formula work. I think he's going to do fine at TCU. Stamp of approval on that one. I'd, oh, I'd yeah. echo that. Uh, Garrett, uh, finish this out here. Who's your number five guy? 
Uh, well, it's uh, it's not going to be Sonny Dykes uh, establishing that Tarrant County supremacy again. Uh, but uh, I will go ahead and uh, re-up on the Joey McGuire. Um, love the hire. Like we said earlier, the fit is just about perfect um, for Tech. Um, I think that he's got a lot he's bringing in. Um, he's going to have some time to establish his culture as well, which I think is a big deal. Um, and I think, you know, as Oklahoma and Texas leave the conference, it's going to be anyone's game. Go ahead and find me the team that's going to be the dominant team, right? You can bring in guys like Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, U of H. Uh, but, I mean, you're, you're, you're still looking at a situation where none of those teams have proven that they can win long-term in a Power 5 conference. Oklahoma State's still going to be really good. Baylor's still going to be plenty good. You know, TCU is going to do what they got to do. Uh, but, yeah, why not Tech, right? Why shouldn't Tech be the team in the Big 12? Why shouldn't they be the new powerhouse? And as you look at what he's going to be able to bring in, not just from the recruiting side, but to a path to the playoff, right? We're talking Power 5 conference. We're talking not a lot of competition in that conference and being able to look at it and say, hey, you might be a few good players away from a bid to the playoff, right? You could be a few good players away from being there. And once you get there, it's it's about being there. And, you know, you get there, it's all gloves off. Anything can happen, right? Um, and so I think this is a great call for Tech. My hot take there, and this is probably the hottest of the takes, despite the fact that it's maybe the lowest bar that they're going to clear. But I think Tech will not just play in. I think they win the Alamo Bowl this year and bring in a top 35 recruiting class. They haven't done that since 2015. Been a little bit since Tech has been able to sustain some recruiting success. I love that. It would be back-to-back bowl wins for the first time in what feels like forever for Texas Tech. I mean, look, Cliff Kingsbury couldn't get that done, right? It's been really since Mike Leach that you had any sort of, you know, sustained regular season success, let alone postseason success. So, I agree with uh, with all that. He was my first honorable mention, as I, uh, as I referenced earlier. I love the fit there in Texas Tech. Uh, I have a background covering high school football here in the state. Joey McGuire is one of the first names that you learn when you start uh, when you started covering that back a couple years ago. So, love the fit there. You know, you guys mentioned other coaches on my honorable mentions list: Brent Venables, Sonny Dykes, Rhett Lashley. One name I'll throw in that we didn't talk about: Kalen DeBoer going over to Washington. That's a program that's really in search of a direction, and they've just kind of been muddled in mediocrity the last several seasons. Jimmy Lake did absolutely nothing for that program, which was a huge swing and a miss. They thought he was going to be able to step in, and and look, his first season was during COVID, right? It's so tough to launch a program, to establish a culture, to get things going when we were in the middle of a pandemic. But you know the way that year two went, which he didn't even get to finish year two, it was just a hot mess, a disaster. Kalen DeBoer, I think, is a very, very hot name in coaching. I think he's going to come in, hopefully recruit well. That's something that Washington has not done at a sustained level. They've had players and they've had names. They have a five-star quarterback that's there right now. But what can Kalen DeBoer do to elevate their performance on the field, right? I mean, they're a, a tough uh, conference game night in, night out in the Pac-12. Can they make a push towards you know, that, that Pac-12 North title and, and potentially a playoff bit. They've been there before. Can they do it again? It, it'll be really interesting to see. And uh, so I put Kalen DeBoer on that list as well. Very quickly, any other names that you guys want to tack on before we wrap up here, episode one? Uh, not in the positive category. We'll probably do a <laughs> negative category sometime yeah. soon. But I uh, 
No, I think we pretty much covered everyone on my honorable mentions. I had Sonny Dykes as an honorable mention. He's, you know, obviously we talked about him. He's going to be great. Yep. We've yeah, talked about all my me. guys. I will save my comments for the hate mail. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Yeah, again, uh, write in. Let us know uh, what you think of this list. Again, very subjective. Uh, if you have thoughts on it, positive, negative, let us hear it. Uh, right, it's a blossoming podcast. We want to establish a community. We want to... Uh, let your voice be a very big part of this podcast, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter. Again, at 3TechPod on both of those platforms. You can also write in at 3TechPod at gmail.com if you would like to uh, maybe write us an essay, right? Uh, let us know how we were brilliant in this first episode. Let us know how you completely disagree with every single name on that list if you want. But Bring the uh, hate. That's right. That's right. We welcome it all. Fellas, this has been fun. Uh, I think we're going to have a a lot of fun in this journey together. Oh, yeah. That's one down. That's one down. So many more to go. That'll wrap up episode one of The Three Technique, a college football podcast. Again, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at 3TechPod. Until next time, so long, everybody. One man. Goodbye. Hello. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game.